Welcome to the Women with Fire podcast. I am Michelle Gifford. I am Sarah Allred. God is calling women around the world to stand up and make a difference. We call this your quest. God needs you. Learn from other women who are navigating their own quests. And through this podcast, light that fire as you embark upon your own. Let's do this. Hey, you. Welcome to the Women with Fire podcast. This is Sarah. I get to be your host here, loving season five already, and really excited to introduce you to a total dynamo today. Oh, my word. She hails from Idaho, one of the greatest places on earth, I believe. (laughs) But she is sitting across from me, and you are going to love so much of what she has to offer as she has really made what is typically kind of a male-dominated field work for her and her dreams and her goals. And then she also has some of the coolest views on women that I just, I'm like ready to just turn over the mic and just say, you guys, you got to just listen to Brittany. She's the best. So this is Brittany Rattel. Brittany, we're so glad that you're here. Thank you so much, Sarah. And gosh, what an incredible introduction. So I will be hiring you to follow me around now, um, especially when I find that my my kids are not as excited to hear my gems of wisdom as maybe they should be. They're lost. Oh, I will I, I will get them pumped up. Let me meet your children and I will get it done. <laughs> For sure. I love this. So let me give you a little bit of a, a, a little synopsis of who Brittany is. If you don't know her, you're going to want to be connected with her for many reasons. So she is an attorney for creative entrepreneurs. You help women become more confident business owners because heaven knows the legal side of business is scary news. Horror stories, yeah. which we're going to share some, aren't we? We got some horror right. stories. Right. We're going to share the horror stories and then we're going to share why there's hope and we're not, we're not going to dwell in the shadows. <laughs> And no lawyer jokes. That's the one thing I had to promise, right? No lawyer jokes, right? No lawyer jokes. I know, I know that we are easy pickings. I understand. It's, 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 our, it's my cross to bear. So, Well, you are dynamo. So she, you not only work with like Bucket List Family, you work with Allison, who we love. Um, you help these kind of entrepreneurs protect their businesses and help them grow their businesses. And you also, you provide resources that you can like do do-it-yourself legal templates and stuff, right? If they go to creativecontracts.co, yes. then they can download that stuff, right, from you? Exactly, yeah. For people who are maybe not in a spot in their business where they want to hire one-on-one or that's not just where they're at, um, I like to have some people kind of do-it-yourself stuff so they don't get lost on legal doom. <laughs> Love, and we all are feeling that. Oh, we have so felt that. It's like, oh, the legal side. Do I have to be legal? Can I just hide? And the answer is no. So moving on. So she believes, I love this about you. You believe in the power of cute office supplies and good contracts and hosts. And you also host a weekly podcast called Law and Wit, Creative Counsel for Entrepreneurs. And you share business tips and all those kinds of things. You're just fabulous. And then you read and you craft and you ski. You have a minivan and you travel and... You issue empty threats to your sewing machines. We're friends. We're friends. You know, I heard a, a saying once that someone said, the only thing that you should be able to swear at are cattle, teenagers, and sewing machines. And I think that there's a lot of truth in that saying. <laughs> I put sewing machines number one. Number I think they one. go number one in my book. You know, when that bobbin breaks and you're like, son of a, I've just been hemming, you know, some <laughs> giant blanket. And you're like, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be, that was all for naught. That was all for naught. I mean, it was all for naught. We all need like a mother-in-law like mine, where I just stack up everything that needs to be sewn. And I go, Hey, we're visiting. Will you fix all this? Because I just, not there. Oh, bless her. Yeah. And I, I've got a little bit of that too. My mom's a, a costumer and that's how I kind of got into sewing. And so, yeah, I know that I can always give her like a Hail Mary. Hey, you, do you feel like finishing, you know, an octopus costume tonight? And, and she'll oh, my word. oh, yeah. oh, the yeah. women in our lives. How I love it. Yeah. How I love it. So I want to dive straight in with you about a couple of things because, you know, we like to kind of prepare for this and talk about some stories and everything so that it's not totally a wing it situation. But one of the things that I am fascinated with is that you, you went to law school and clearly were you were in the minority as far as your gender right lots of guys right. are in you law know, i mean 
Yeah, and lots of guys are in law. And it's, you know, particularly because I went to BYU Law, which is actually this year is the first time that there are more women that are going to be entering BYU Law class than men. But that is the first no in way. Law's entire history. So, um, yeah, they've really been doing their, they're trying to really actively recruit more women, which is fabulous. Fabulous. For them. And that's legit. You wouldn't lie yeah. on the podcast, right? No, I wouldn't because I know you guys can check it. Yeah, <laughs> it's there. I got I got the email. I'm on the list. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, historically, obviously, you know, outside of this century, it's been very much male dominated profession. Um, and at most higher, when you get into the higher reaches of law, look at people who are partners, who gets the cushy, you know, in-house counsel at, at companies. It's a lot of men, a lot of men. <laughs> It is. And that's what I want to ask you about, because I think sometimes a lot of our listeners, uh, many of our listeners have what we call quests, that they feel called to do something, whether it's law, whether it's photography, whether it's sewing, bless their hearts, I hope that's you, you know, they have so many different vibes. And sometimes when you think of something like law, you still come into this idea and you say, oh, but I want to have a family. And, right. oh, I want to get married. And that that doesn't fit with law. And to that, you say phooey, right? I mean, I say, I say no. I say I don't like... I don't like dichotomies, and I'm not going to believe in them, that there's only one way to be a good lawyer or to be a good mom, and that I'm sure I can make this work, surely. I loved your episode with Lizzie Jensen, who also was in law school with me. So we, and then she had moved away, you know, back to back east. Shame, shame on her. No, I mean, I love her. Um, but I loved, you know, talking about this idea with women, even, even in law school, and you know, certainly after that, you know, I think far too often we worry too much about labels or looking around in terms of what's the tradition that we've seen in terms of track and think, oh, well, this is, this is a good mom job. You know, this is uh, something that you can do or um, and rely too much on just things that we can see and not open up our mind that says when you have good skills and you're good at what you do, you kind of get to decide how you want to be compensated for that and you can be compensated well. So the more that you can put that education and those skills into your bucket, um, then you can kind of take those, especially in now the modern economy and the way that we're doing business um, online. You know, I really think it's broadened the field and it's such an incredible time to be a woman. Really. So, I mean, this is so enlightening to me because I think sometimes we try to choose quests or degrees or paths or something like that, that we can see very immediately will benefit our family. Because I, I think in the olden days, if I can say that, <laughs> in the olden days, it used to be like, okay, what's my backup plan? Like if something terrible were to happen, if my husband lost his job, if I never get married or if I you know, what is my plan B? What would be beneficial? What's something I could fall back on? And that's not why you went to law school. Like how you're kind of before your time, you and Lizzie, I can totally see (laughs) you guys in the hall, totally figuring all this out. But, but what was it that made you say, this will not be a waste. I'm going to have kids. I'm going to have a family. Like what? I hope so. come from? Yeah, I mean, I was I was finishing school and I, I was pretty serious about doing some sort of graduate school. I, I always thought that that, and I thought law school was an option. I was a debate nerd in high school and certainly there's a fast track express lane of debate kids going and be, becoming an attorneys. Um, you know, we don't like to argue for nothing. And I, uh, and I you know, I, I did a cool internship in Mozambique with the State Department and there were a lot of ex-attorneys there. And I kind of talked to them about graduate school because I was thinking, well, maybe... I want to do like public health or public policy. And I knew I wanted to do something to help people, but I wasn't sure what that looked like. And everyone, you know, universally gave me advice, go to law school. They said, you get a law degree, people will take you seriously. They said, you don't have to practice. If you don't want to, you don't have to like go sit in a firm in an office. They said, you get a degree, you can do what we do, which is they're all like foreign service, you know, jaunting around the world. And I consider that they're like, or you can do a million other things, but You'll get good writing, good analytical skills. You'll know a little bit about business, you know, a lot about the world and how to deal with conflict and it'll be useful. And I I thought that sounded great. So, you know, I took that, you know, to prayer and I sought for confirmation. Was this the right path for me? And I got the answer that it was. So even though I wasn't sure exactly what it was going to look like, and certainly as I was finishing up law school, I was having, I had my first baby. Um, I graduated a little early. So I had her, uh, you know, birthed her. And then two weeks later, I had my last final tax final. It was awful. 
I don't recommend, I don't recommend tax law. Whose brain is working two weeks after having a baby anyway? Yeah, well, not mine. I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it was my best class. To be honest, there's a reason why I don't, I don't do tax law. I send people downstream for something like that. And then, you know, I was done with law school, but then I just had to study for the bar. Um, So, you know, no big deal. Oh (laughs) my word. I just had to learn all these other areas of law that you don't actually learn in law school because that's the way law school works. You don't actually learn all the things um, that you need to, to actually be practice it. So it was, it was a crazy time. And yet I, I never felt afraid. Um, and I felt like I, it was, things were going to unfold when they needed to. And I just, I needed to have patience. I needed to have faith and be you know quick to seize opportunities when they came before me. Um, and then I knew if I did that, then I would, eventually I would understand what I was supposed to do with my degree, how I was supposed to help. And if that was helping women, children in the thought, in the way that I thought it was, which was doing family law. And that's what I practiced for a lot of years. Um, and then it morphed into something really different, which is helping women still, but in a different way. It's not, you know, I don't do as many taking on, you know, domestic violence cases. Now I do some, you know, pro bono work, but it's helping them be empowered so they can take care of their families so that they can use their gifts and skills so that they can make meaningful contributions when they feel called to, you know, undergo a quest. Oh, I love this. I love this. And something since we've brought up Lizzie before, Lizzie used to say that there's a stirring going on right now with women. There's a stirring. We're all feeling it. We've talked about it on the podcast like a dozen times. So don't turn the podcast off. I know we're bringing it up again. But one of the things is that women are feeling stirred to do something to help women. And often the way that they get stuck is they just don't know what route that is. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to inspire women, but like, how, how are you going to do it? How are you going right. to do it? And you have used law, which is fascinating to me, the way that you have been able to free women and free entrepreneurs with, with fear I would, because they have felt fearful and they needed you as an advocate that way. Now tell me this, was it like, okay, I, I birthed a child. I had a tax final two weeks later. I had to study for the bar. You passed the bar. I'm I assuming. the bar. I Clearly. did. Okay. Yes. <laughs> We're passing the bar. <laughs> Want to make sure we get all of our details here. Correct. You passed the bar. And then what is it? Was it immediately like, oh, a month later, bucket list family calls you and, and you're, you're no, working for no, the biggest no, Instagram no, names I did, I did family law and I did estate planning because those are the ones that I you know, those are the ones I saw that people could do on their own. And I knew I wanted to work on my own because I wanted temporal flexibility. That was my number one, which is a fancy way of saying I wanted to be free to be at home with my babies, which is what I wanted. That was my vision, how I wanted to practice. So I knew I was completely unhirable in that state, which was fine. So, you know, I sought out mentorship and I became a nap time attorney. So I did that for years and years. And um, you know, learned a lot, got to help a lot of people, did a lot of four-year lawyering, as we call it, you know, um, where you, so someone in the hall at church says, Hey, my <laughs> term of the day, people, foyer lawyering, foyer, foyering, foyer lawyer. Um, and <laughs> so for that, you know, I'm really gr- grateful that I got to learn and be a, you know, a family law practitioner. Cause I will always have somebody in my ward who comes up to me and is like, Hey, my ex isn't paying child support or we're having a big problem with our parenting plan. Do you have any thoughts? And I'm glad that I can, you know, I can be a resource and help, you know, particularly, um, especially for some women who feel they're slighted and they don't have a lot of funds and they're getting kind of short under the stick and needing some help and in, in what can be kind of a, a hard, a really hard time, you know, in their, in their life and their family. Um, so, you know, I did that, but I never loved the work and I kept on doing like one-off projects for friends. You know, I had lots of friends who were talented, like Melanie Burke is another friend of mine. Um, I would help her with some contracts and Allison show. I would, you know, put together a waiver for one of her parties because she didn't do any of that. And that literally looked like me in my candy costume racing to her event to put the little plaque in front of the sign-up table. Cause I was like, Allison, we don't have any kind of waiver on your ticket. Like you have all these people in the building that you own and we have no like liability protection. Like it was just, you know, it was, and it was she's my going, So what? Like, and she's please. like, you know, shimmying <laughs> and like, what's the problem, Brittany? Like, this yeah. This is why we but all I, need a Brittany in our life. Yeah, okay. But that's, she does her and I do me, which is like, yes, we can have fun, but also let's not get sued. Um, so yes. yeah, I kept on doing more and more of that work. And then I realized, you know, I don't, I don't think there's really anyone else who's doing, who's serving all these amazing, talented, creative women that I'm running around that are, you know, around the Utah, especially the Utah corridor. We're doing incredible things, building 
businesses and making them incredible products, offering cool services, building great brands, and they're really being underserved. And I should be doing things to help them. This should be what I'm doing. So I started doing it. I love it that you just started doing it. Start, people, start. So I'm going to put you on the spot with something I didn't prepare you for. One of the questions that we have had come in, we, we mentor very beginning entrepreneurs um, who we love and cherish. They are the coolest questers ever. And one of the early challenges that they ran into, I wouldn't call it a legal challenge, but it's, it's a little bit of a moral challenge that you just brought up with foyer lawyering, because I'm fancy now. What do you do to draw the boundary between being compensated, between being a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints versus serving pro bono, favor, paycheck? Ah, talk to us. Bills and, you know, and and my life, you know, malpractice insurance, which I have to carry as a practicing attorney. Um, Correct. The way I handle it is I, I'm still in a place where I feel like I can answer quick questions. And so I do with the caveat, you know, that I try to employ that's like, look, I'm not your attorney. I'm not answering this as your attorney. This is just for your information. And like, that's the disclaimer that I use on my podcast when I do like go on Instagram and do like my legal lives, which I try to do. Um, I also have put that out there. So people know that like, oh, I'm not going to run to the, the ends of the earth with this because Brittany said it once. Like, no, this is just something to kind of help you and maybe put you in the right direction of where you can seek some other help. Um, so, and it has helped now that I'm doing a better job of keeping track of my business and what my real expenses are. And also the you know, the trade-offs that I need to make with family time, that when I say yes to someone else and I'm typing out a long email and I'm not getting paid for it, that's time I'm taking away from my family and I'm not, you know, I'm not serving my business and not growing the way I need to. Um, So it's something that's still in flux. I wouldn't say I'm the best at it because I really like being helpful. (laughs) Oh, for sure. Have you had tough experiences? Yeah, no, I mean, people have been pretty good um, about respecting my time. And, you know, people will ask me, hey, what's, how do I start working with you or what does that look like? And I do give free 20 minute phone consults. So I, you know, I direct awesome. people to that and I try to funnel the DMS that I get in the emails and I say, Hey, if you know, if you have something you're, you're just starting and you, you want someone to talk with, that's the way to get a hold of me is get on my schedule. Um, and then we can talk and, and that way that can usually ferret out more productive discussion than like a back and forth of like, well, what about this? And what about this? And you um, can be totally don't. present with them. Exactly. And I can really do that. And then I can, you know, really continue that and serve them the way they need to and talk about, hey, these are maybe the things that I can do to help you. These are the maybe things you need local counsel for, because I have to think about that too. Unfortunately, lawyers are super old fashioned and I'm restricted in what I can practice in what area where. So, you know, if you're in California and this is an employment law issue, like I can't touch that with a 10 foot pole. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish, but California is crazy, especially with their employment laws. So, you know, so that, that keeps all of that in balance, but it, it is, yeah, it's still something that I have to pay attention to a lot. So. Oh, it is a, a daily problem. I think is especially cause we want to serve, we want to use yeah. those skills and, and I want to move forward with that. So great advice. I really love that you have an answer to say, Hey, yeah, let's connect. Here's how to talk with me for for 20 minutes. Let's see what this issue is really about. I love that advice. I think they could, they could run with that. So brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Okay. So tell me a little bit, we got to share some horror stories. Okay. Because (laughs) the reality is many of us may feel we're in a position where it's like, Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just kind of doing this side thing and I'm just uh, making like a couple thousand a year, $500 a month or something like that. And I'm just having a dance party. Nobody's going to get hurt, Allison, right? <laughs> we love her. Um, what we are your her. thoughts about trying to sneak by without being legit? I mean, I'm asking being a lawyer, legit. clearly. Yeah, but. I know. I know. I mean, it's like asking a barber if you need a haircut, right? I mean, right. Um... but at what point, at <laughs> what point do you tell a woman to say, you've got a great idea, you've got some things going Let's talk. Legal. Let's lock it down, girl. Let's let's make it legit. Um, yeah. You know, I I I you know I of course probably advise people pretty often. If you know that this is something that you are going to, you plan on making money from this. If this is not just a hobby that sometimes gives you a kickback, and you know the IRS distinguishes that at if you're making more than six hundred bucks a year, that's their rule. Is that a good rule? Maybe yes, maybe no. But I say if you are planning on, you know, if you're making a couple grand, then 
I think the first thing you can do is at least start to get, and I, the number one step I always tell my people, if you're not ready to get an LLC set up yet, and is at least go get yourself your tax ID number, okay, your EIN from the IRS, and you can use that to set up a separate business bank account, okay, a separate business card. And then you can at least keep things separate in your business so you can make sure that there's no mixing and mingling of assets between your stuff. It makes it so much easier the, you know, one for you to, to really keep track of what's going on in your business. It's sometimes really hard if you're not doing that to see like, what money am I making? Like, what am I spending on courses and equipment and um, conferences and out, you know, blogger lunches or whatever. And then what am I actually coming in? Um, and without those clear numbers, I think it's a lot harder for you to make some really tough decisions in your business about growth, about um, how are you spending your time? How do you want to invest your goals? Um, I think all of that is, it becomes really ephemeral, you know, stand in your hands if you don't know what that number is. Um, and the second is that if, if and when you're ready to start your LLC, which is usually my second step I recommend, um, then you've already got that taken care of. Because part of the LLC process is you get this tax ID number. And LLCs are done at your state, so they're all done whatever it is. You know, they're done in Utah or Arizona or North Carolina or something. And they're pretty simple and straightforward to do on your own. If you're just gonna do one gal bandstand, you can totally handle getting on the website and doing it. You don't need my help. I do these for people, but they don't, honestly, they don't really need me. <laughs> they, they, could do, they, could totally, they could totally do it on the own. But I get it that sometimes you just hire it because you want it done and there's a price you pay for that and that's the price I tell you and then it happens. But, and then, you know, unless you're in California, those fees are usually only around a hundred bucks. So I mean, a hundred bucks guys to set up an LLC. And then what's, a, what's great is it happens is that if you ever have a problem in your business, if the crap hits the fan and someone sues you because they slip and fall at your event, or someone says, hey, your course that's bringing in a lot of money, that was my course and you ripped it off. Um, you know, you have a, a copyright or infringement lawsuit, or you have a contractor that says, hey, you know, you were supposed to design me this website and I paid you 20 grand and I don't think you did a good job and I want all that money back. That's the kind of stuff that happens. All of that stays in its business bubble. It cannot touch your personal assets. You have put in a fence with your LLC in between a clear DMZ zone and that, that drama can't touch it. It's gonna, it can suck up all your business money, but it can't, it's not gonna touch your house or your cars or what you share with your partner. All of that is separate and special and safe. Which is a big sigh of relief. I think that that in and of itself, pay the hundred bucks, yeah. get it done or pay Just a lawyer, triple that, whatever, like get it done because of that <gasps> deep breath that you can take yeah. if mistakes happen. Yeah. And it just, and it looks more legit for someone else, you know, for people who are a vendor or someone else who's going to reach out to you for, you know, oh, of course they have an LLC set up. Like they've, you know, they're a real business. They're taking themselves seriously. They're taking our work seriously. That's great. They've, they've thought it through. Um, it just, it makes everything a little bit more legit. So, um, yeah, I, I really, you know, it's rare that I don't advise someone setting up an LLC if they're really going to be serious about opening it and doing a business. So. I love it. I love it. And so many of our listeners are at that point where it's like, <gasps> I'm making some cash here, you know, made up a huge cash, but it's still cash to me. And at what point do I take that step? And I think that you've given a really, really great idea of what you do. Now, one of the horror stories that I was reading that you prepared me for, and it just makes me ill, is a story about an artist who saw her artwork somewhere that it should not have been. And tell me about what, like, what in the, what's the first step? I mean, clearly, first step is to call Brittany. That is call Brittany. <laughs> but like, how does this happen? Just give us a yeah. horror story of why yeah. we need to be legal people. Of why you need to be legal. Well, I'll tell you what you don't do, which is not the first step. That is what people want to do is jump on Instagram and burn that person to death, which is what people's initial reaction is. You know, if you are, if you are a creator and that's your thing that you do and you see your work somewhere else where it shouldn't be, it's hard not to take that personal. You know, I, I understand. That's like a shot so in the heart. that's a no-no? Yeah. That's a no-no. Um, I mean, morally, not, it's not, kind of not right now. That, I would say that you're, you, you got to go, go call and vent to your sister or vent to me or someone else, um, but don't go on the internet. And here's why, is it could 
hurt some of the options you can for really fixing this problem. So if that's your first reaction. It's you just mean that on. seriously, it legally it has implications. It could legally have implications. So, um, so yeah, when this happens to clients of mine, when their stuff gets ripped off, the first thing that I tell them to do is let's start documenting. Okay. So we screenshot and we screenshot and we say, because where there's one rat, there's sometimes many rats. Okay. And if someone has taken one of your things and one of your beautiful elephant wildflower floral print, it's likely that they've had access obviously to your work. And so there could be other things that they've also taken. So we screenshot and we look at how big is this problem? You know, we use reverse image search. We use different tools to try to say like how extensive is it is. We try to, then we, you know, we go into investigation mode and trying to find out who it is that's made this product. Um, and it's frequently, it's a lot of overseas manufacturers. I don't mean to throw China under the bus, but China, you, you have a problem. Um, there are issues copying there. other people and really it's it's not even fair to say that it's Chinese manufacturers because what whoever is probably stealing your stuff is not necessarily the Chinese manufacturer it's your neighbor down the street that emailed that to somebody to their brother-in-law who speaks Chinese you know <laughs> Chinese who speaks Mandarin yes. and said hey um we have an idea for a cool print can't you make it look like this and they said yeah definitely we can make it look like that. And that's, so that's how that happens. Um, it happens with clothing a lot. I feel like I see that with clothing. clothing all the time. It's rife with clothing. It's really rife when this particular story was um, someone who's a surface pattern designer and she has incredible, really maximus floral work and it's beautiful and very distinct. And she actually had one of her followers um, DM'd her and said, hey, I just walked into the store and I saw your print. And it was like the stock photo that goes in a picture frame. And she's like, look, I, I saw your print. And she's like, I, and she had to check because she does have some licensing deals with her stuff. And she checked and she's like, I don't know what that is. And was just like, oh my gosh, oh, my word. how could this happen? And was just so upset about it. Um, and someone actually recommended her on the thread. It was like, hey, maybe you should talk to this gal, Brittany. I've heard of her. And so, so she reached out to me and we started working together and we were able to trace it in terms of who was the manufacturer that printed this, um, who was the distributor, because now we have different people, the person who made it, the person who distributed it because it's one of those big box like distributed trains that sends it out you know all over the place to big box stores um and then we we're able to trace who their you know representation was that we could get in contact and then we send the letter you know the demand letter the letter um where i say hey we got a, houston we, we've got a problem here so so yeah and then you know it worked out in the end that i was able to stop them from what they were doing i was able to get some money for my client damages and certainly she's on the edge now so if they ever try anything else because i mean this and this guy was like this hard-hitting guy from new york and he was like oh you know stuff like this you know it all it just happens you know it happens all the time let's feel that i'm like listen i i understand that this happens but like side by side look at that can you tell me that that just like fell off a truck somewhere and that you didn't copy like no come on come on so you know that's around, gutsy you're fearless see you, you you're so cute and you're so yeah i mean you look like you could be 18 right i mean that is a compliment i mean you're just it's the cheeks they're just you know yeah. yes you're just youthful and fun but when it comes down to fighting for your business. clients when it comes down to fighting for my clients i mean business and because you have it doesn't put your scare heart in your you soul. and no it doesn't scare me because you know what it's it's not personal for me so i know it means a lot to you but for me it's business and i know what your rights are and i know that you put your heart and your soul into your work and you don't deserve to get ripped off um and someone else was making a calculated move that you would do a couple things that you either wouldn't notice or wouldn't care or that you would get too scared and you would roll over okay and mm -hmm. I don't think that either of those need to be the case. Now I'll say that, that some of my creative friends, you know, who get copied a lot and stuff um, and, you know, copying and being ripped off is a broad term because there are things that people can do that can be inspired by. And, oh, you know, I took this and I reworked this. And sometimes some artists are like, oh my gosh, they copied. And I'm like, well, yes and no. You know, I've been on the other side where someone's like, I have that, you know, that pillow design is patented is what someone told me a couple weeks ago. And I'm like, a pillow? cannot be patented. You know, it's a square pillow design that has a triangle at the top of it that, no, first of all, you're wrong. You don't have a patent for that. And there, you can't patent that. That's just how you make a pillow and you make a cool pillow. Like, 
So there's people all on the spectrum of what's original and what's not. And there's certainly a mindset that you kind of have to have a thick skin. And the worst that can happen is that you don't create amazing work and put it out in the world because you're afraid that people are going to copy it. I, I count that as the worst case scenario, really, that you're afraid to let your art out there and afraid to do what you want to because you think, oh, someone's going to copy it. Because you know what? You're right. They might. You can't control other people. But you can control your mindset. You can control where your head is at and where you're pointing forward. And with some things, it's probably worth it to fight and to draw a line in the sand and say, I will not stand for this, I, whether you hire help or not. Um, and for other things, you might have to let them go and just say, you know what? That's too bad that all they can do is be you know, sucking my dust and copying what I released a couple years ago or a couple courses ago. But I'm moving forward and they can't touch that. I love this. I love this. Just having that core belief of saying, okay, I can move past this and, and this was mine. And you kind of know where you stand. And, um, there are a lot of fears and you're in the same boat with online content because what, what, what do you do when, when you're selling a, um, maybe a Pinterest course, maybe that's, maybe that's what you're selling. I'm making that up but you're teaching people and it shows up in their email that has videos and links and PDFs. And how do you know that they're not going to forward that to someone? I love that your advice is that you can't just not do stuff because you're scared it's going to get ripped. Yeah. I mean, because then, then the world is at loss. Then we never got to see what you got to create and the problems that we have that you were trying to solve didn't get to be solved by you. And you know what, you know, it's, 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 cheesy what Allison show says but it's completely true is that no one can do it like you so you know other people can have other photography courses um, and other photography membership sites but no one is going to run it like you run TPE and so it's it's different and if you focus on your why and how are you doing what you do then you can put the protections in place that you need to get yourself some good service terms of use and say right. look make it really clear this is what you can do with our content this is what you can't, not all sharing is caring. You can't give this login to all your friends. Okay. That hurts me as a creative and it's illegal. So, you know, you do what you can and then you let the rest go and you move forward. And you be the best you can be with who you are. You are. Let's just take a little break because we want to give you access to our most requested bonus episodes straight to your inbox. We have never shared these episodes before digitally. Michelle's famous talk, God is speaking to you. Do you hear him? And guess what? You also get Sarah's crucial talk called Satan is at the white. I'm just telling you, these are very good. <laughs> they are huge resources to give you a vision and confidence in making decisions with the Lord, which is what we're trying to do, right? Grab the bonus episodes now at thewomenwithfire.com slash bonus. Now back to the podcast. One of the things that as we were preparing for this that really stuck out to me is when I was talking to you about um, what would you say to someone who is kind of in the beginning stages of wanting to do what you do, but is kind of scared, you know, I mean, we're talking about maybe they're wanting to go to law school or maybe they have a degree that they're like, this isn't really something that's done typically online, but I think that, I think I could do it online, but they're just like, oh, but it's not the norm. Let's talk about it. What do yeah. you say to someone? I say maybe take a step back from your profession. For me, I don't follow a lot of other attorneys or, you know, their, especially their advice in terms of marketing or whatnot. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not interested in having eagles and scales of justice and leather bound books on my branding because <laughs> that's not me. I don't own a fish tank. I'm sorry. Um, and, you know, but I know. You do have cute stationery. I do have cute stationery. I do. That is my weakness. Yeah. That is my Waterloo for sure. That target aisle. Um, but, you know, I think you've got to focus always. It comes back to like, uh, you know, like all kinds of business, whether you're in a profession or a service or product basis, who are you serving? And what do they need? What problems do they have? And how can you solve them? And when you hone it back into what really matters, and what does that look like? Does, do I need to have an office? Do, do people need that interaction? 
Maybe yes, maybe no, you know? Um, do people need to be able to see me in a certain way or is it can be, um, you know, what's the way that I can build them and charge them that works for them, especially if people want consistency or they want to, um, they don't want to be surprised by that. That's something that I'm really sensitive to because I know that's a huge pain point for a lot of people in working with legal stuff and attorneys is that they think that they're boring, that they're um, scary and that they're expensive. That's all they know about attorneys and that they have an uncle who does, who's an attorney, but they have no idea what he does. That's normally what I get from people. I do think that they're scary. I still believe that they're kind of scary, but I'm like, maybe not. Meet Brittany. Maybe, maybe not. not. <laughs> maybe not. I'll only be scary against the other guy, not That's for you. True. Okay. You so and I, I'll, same team. Yeah. You know, the, the, the pit bull with lipstick um, when we need to be. But yeah, so that's the thing. You just have to, you know, hone it into who, who you're serving. And I was listening to um, Seth Godin on a podcast and he was talking about his new book, This Is Marketing. And it was, it was just brilliant because he was just honing it back into like, you got to focus on, you know, that people don't believe, you know, what you believe. That's not what they care about. They just want their problem solved. And they want the problem behind that solved. They don't want a new couch. They want to feel like they're homey and they don't care about being homey. They want to feel like they belong. You know, it's, it's all those underlying. And the more that you can do to really understand that, the really psyche, you know, gritty woo woo stuff of the people you're serving, um, then you'll make it work. Oh, I love this. I love this. Taking the focus onto who you are serving. How are they stuck? How can you solve that? I think it's a genius, a genius move. One of the things that I have thought a lot about on a spiritual end of things, as I have thought about our interview is, you know, we we're all kind of in different stages or whatnot on President Nelson's Book of Mormon challenge and wherever you are, good for you. And if you haven't started, get started and, and we're cheering you on. But one of the things I just constantly come back to is the role of the savior as an advocate. And I, I always picture that word advocate actually is a legal term in many ways. It is. It is a legal term. Yeah. So um, part of the work that I did when I was doing family law um, is called a guardian at litem. And it's a fancy Latin word is because lawyers love Latin because just, they're know, scary because they're <laughs> scary. And again, it's old and lawyers love everything old and it's pretty much their main hallmark. Um, but it's a fancy word of saying that you are, you, uh, you're standing basically in the place of a child. So guardian at litems are used in really high conflict, ugly divorces and abuse and neglect cases. Um, so when I served as a guardian at Lightham, I would be a child's and I was their attorney. I wasn't mom's attorney or dad's attorney. So my clients were children, anywhere from teenagers to down to, um, you know, they had to be verbal usually, but you know, I, I think my youngest client I ever had was five or six. Oh my word. And my job was to advocate, uh, you know, advocate for them. It was to look at what was going on um, with their parent time and their homes that they were back and forth. And certainly when there was allegations that people were hurting them or not taking care of them or people manipulating them to try to say the other parent was hurting them, which happens unfortunately a lot um, because parents, they're in such a place of, of you know, um, of mourning, of pain that sometimes people lash out and, um, you know, they see things that maybe, maybe are there, but maybe aren't there in terms of their, their co-parent. And it was you know, it, I'm going to say that it was, it was easy work, but it was, uh, it was the closest that I've ever felt other than being in childbirth, um, that I've ever felt to my savior in terms of what it feels like to be, to be really advocating for someone, to be there in the middle of the courtroom, um, in between justice, between someone who's the trier of fact, the judge who's making, you know, our God who's making decisions, um, and representing someone in their interests and making sure that they have a voice there. Um, and even if, you know, it's not going to change anything that they need to be heard and that they're being represented and that they had a chance to tell their story and to say what was happening in their heart and their, in their life. And it was, um, yeah, it was a really incredible experience and I'm, I'm really lucky that I got to do it um, a few times, but yeah, the, the advocate is so, it's such a beautiful idea to think of Christ at that bar of justice. And I picture, you know, a beautiful white gilded courtroom really. Um, and him being there and saying, you know, don't, you know, you understand that Brittany, this is, this is what was happening and you see this and I understand this is what she did, but these are the circumstances that you need to understand around this and knowing and having such a perfect knowledge of us and our weaknesses and our shortcomings and also what we brought and what we tried to do. I love that imagery. I love the imagery so much. And, and also the thought that your advocate not only knows and cares for you, but also understands mercy and justice. 
And Perfectly. just to have someone, I, I haven't sat in a lot of courtrooms, but to be sitting there or watching someone you care about sit there, knowing that they don't even know the language of the law is so paralyzing. And no wonder lawyers are often idolized. I make fun of them. I say they're scary, but, but no wonder there is this connection there because you have no choice but to rely on this person next to you, that they care for you and that they understand what to do, that they know the language, they know the proceedings, they know, you know, what needs to be turned in and what this is for and, and everything like that. And I just, man, I've thought about you a lot preparing for this, just thinking, man, I hope I'm not giving too heavy a, a term that way, but how that has most likely connected you to the savior, um, serving as an advocate, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it, and it's just, it's just, and, you know, we're, we're gifted with so many names of Christ. And as I've been, you know, uh, doing the Book of Mormon challenge this year and, and I did, I, I took you know, the mantle of highlighting all the names and mentions of Jesus. And I was so struck by so much of the references to him are um, in other things, you know, like it'll say the prophet of the Lord. It's not just a prophet, you know, but a prophet to who, or the words of the Lord or the words of Christ. Um, you know, it's just to, to remember that these things aren't in abstract, you know, even when we talk about the atonement, uh, I remember a, a general authority once saying that really it, it should only be attached to the atonement of Christ. There is no atonement that it, it, that exists outside of that. Um, it all relates back to him, you know, him with an H um, ultimately. And that's just, it was such a great reminder having this year, um, you know, this fall to do that challenge and to just be reminded of how all good things come from him and have done so in all, and all throughout time, you know, that he's given so much to people throughout world, throughout history, and, you know, independent of their circumstances, um, he's been there, and he's giving them what they needed to, to learn of him, and grow with him, um, and to worship him. I, it's, it is such powerful um, parallels, you know, and I hope we can each look at our own quests, and our own lives, and find those ways in which we can parallel his example, and and those things. One of the things that has struck me as well, getting to know you has been, you haven't had like a hundred percent thumbs up experiences with men in your field, right? I mean, right. there's a, there's a BYU library whisper story. It's kind <laughs> yeah. of funny that I hope you will share. And then I want to ask you a question about it. Yeah. So I was on, I was on law review. Um, so, which means that you get to go to a, a special, even darker section of the law school um, to, to be by yourself and be in your books than normal. So oh, that's saying, Why, that's thank so you. Fun. Yeah. you won, you won the prize. Now you get to go move periods and commas around for other people when they write their articles. That's what law review really is. Um, but it's considered really prestigious in law school, whatever. Another weird thing that lawyers do. So I was working on this article and I had my headphones in, but like my playlist had ended. So I just had them in because I was in the zone and I was furiously typing. And that's pretty much what law school is, is furiously typing. Um, and these guys in the room next to me, and I, don't, I didn't know them personally, they were in the year above me. And I heard them talking about and kind of railing about admissions and because like, I think they had a buddy who, who just didn't get admitted into BYU. And they were, um, and they were talking, they were saying, yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, you look around and you know, all these women, you know, all, you know, some of them, they're having babies, they're on their like second kid in law school. And, you know, it's just crazy. You know, every one of these, these girls is taking the spot of some guy who's got a family, you know, who he really needs to take care of. And I was just, oh my gosh, I didn't believe, you know, I'm, I'm ashamed that I didn't say something because I feel like I, sh I should have, I should have been like, Hey, you know what? That's, that's really inappropriate, A, and B, you know, none of your business, and C, you're wrong. I didn't say any of those things, but in my mind, I thought about it, you know, and I even did a little soul searching. Well, am I here for the right reasons that, you know, they could be describing me because I do want to have a baby and a family, and I'm not maybe going to further the law school's mission in terms of getting a really high power clerkship and, you know, going to work at a prestigious firm and, you know, furthering its reputation that way. I know that's important to the law school and its mission, but, um, but I also didn't was sure that that wasn't its only mission and that I know that no education is ever wasted rather, you know, whether you use it on your backup plan or not. And I knew the heavenly father loved his daughters um, and wanted them to learn. And if they were, if they were supposed to go to law school, if they were, that was their calling to do that he would be with them and he would make it so that it would, it would be worthwhile. And he could still continue whatever the mission of BYU law school's mission is part of the greater mission of the BYU education system even if that meant that some guys had to go somewhere else and yeah, they had mortgages and mouths to feed. So 
I just, uh, but yeah, it, you know, there's, there's always, I think some friction and misunderstanding there sometimes about there's only one way to use your degree or, oh, well, you know, they're just sitting at home, like they're wasting a spot, which is ridiculous because, um, yeah, like I said, no education is ever wasted ever, ever. Oh, it's the most horrifying story. That actually was truly the horror story. We were saving up for everybody here, right? (laughs) That's the horror story. (laughs) So with, with that in mind, and I, I keep, feeling like you're such a pioneer in the road that you've forged and you've got this real great inner confidence that as a woman, as a mother, as a lawyer, as an entrepreneur, I mean, you just have this great energy about you that is super contagious and super awesome and is a gift of yours, I think, hard-earned gift. I guess I'll put it that way, hard-earned but there is no doubt that according to Lizzie's comment and according to the world of change we live in, thank you, President Nelson, that the world of women is changing. How does Heavenly Father feel about women? Oh, he loves them so much. And he, I just feel like he's so excited that so much of what we have been building with on faith and in our dreams um, and in dealing with challenges, um, you know, things that were so much outside of our control and yet women did it happily. You know, I think of our pioneer foremothers who they did the work, they took care of their families, they worked at home, they worked outside, they didn't worry too much about labels, about what that meant and were they, were they, were they working from home or not or you stay at home mom, whatever, you worked and your family ate and or they didn't eat if you didn't work. That's what it looked like to them. And I think now where we have so many options and such an opportunity for women to, to use their skills and talents to really be part of the gathering of Israel, it's just incredible. I mean, all these changes and the opportunities it's given for women. You know, I think of the temple changes that just happened. And, you know, my text threads were blowing up from all of my feminist friends. <laughs> and I count myself <laughs> in that group, you know, with gratefully that um, of how excited they were and tears of joy and that so much of, you know, things that had just bothered them and not that they were happy that it bothered them, but they were just so grateful for continuing revelation and for a prophet that loves women and that is respectful towards them, that listens to them and that knows how to encourage us to step into what role we need to play, which is a big role, which is a role that is unfolding and that needs us to use our voices and to do that, to do good and to be so careful and thoughtful about the personal revelation in our lives that we're ready to, to look up and then run with it with whatever we're asked to do, which may be easy, which may be hard. It's probably going to be in the hard camp. Spoiler alert. It's probably going to be hard. Um, it's always been hard for him. That's road, the thing. Right? It's always been hard. It's always hard. And growth is always hard and it's always uncomfortable, but it's always worth it. Always. And you're in great company when it's hard. Yeah. Yeah, really. really I mean, they're, you know, you're with the Elizas and yeah, you're with the, the Emmas and, you know, countless other women that we wish we knew more of their names. And we're starting to do better about knowing them now, knowing their stories, knowing their names and, and drawing strength from what um, the things that they overcame and the things that they did that meant something to their families and their communities and their faith um, and that we can do too. It's such an awesome message. It's like, you know, the the world has been prepared for a long time and, and the technology has now caught up and and some of those little feisty spirits have been reserved to to bring this out there and, and the clarity that's just coming out just seems to be right time, right place. Like go figure. God had a plan, right? Go figure. Yeah. Go but figure. He knew it. he knew what he was doing all the way and he said, I know, I know, just trust me. It's all it's all coming. It's all coming. It is. Oh, the clarity is amazing. And I I feel like we, we preach this so much on the podcast that, you know, God can use football to convert people to the gospel and to truth. And God can use a lawyer to free people. And, you know, God can use someone who designs swimsuits to change. Or a food blogger or whatever. Yes. You know what? He can use you as you are. You just have to be available. He just, he doesn't ask you to be perfect. He doesn't ask you to come in the mold of everyone else. He doesn't need you to be, you know, Mormon, mommy, Pinterest blogger. If that's not you, that's fine. Come as you are and take stock of your gifts. Be confident enough that you can help other people, that you can show up in a good professional way, and then just be ready. Be ready when the call comes and it'll come and then you get to run and then it's really fun. It is really fun. And as you start running, you have to call Brittany because she'll make sure you're, <laughs> you're well, make sure yes. you're legit and, and, awesome. you're, and you're 
and you're still, you're out of trouble <laughs> and that, yeah, you get to do cool things. I mean, that's the other part. I really love the business is not just, you know, the shield, the protection stuff, which that's, that's a, you know, an important part, but it's the growth thing. You know, I love it when my clients and me look over a book deal and because um, they're moving oh to word. Step. or, you know, or they're doing like, you know, a, a collaboration and, you know, they're maybe trying to get on a, a new series, a TV series, or um, yeah, when they're going to trademark something because they're going to license it. I have one of my favorite clients. I mean, all my clients are fabulous, but she is a birth mother trainer. Like her, her specialty is she's, she's a birth mother herself. It's Ashley Mitchell. She's amazing from lifetime healing. And she trains hospitals and agencies on how to do better in interacting and holding groups and support for birth mothers. And she is literally changing the face of adoption in the United States, this oh, woman. Word. And I got to just be a small part of her business and helping her write you know, the, the contracts or this curriculum so that she could start teaching people and get her message out because she now gets to train all these little adoption foot soldiers all over the U S who will run groups, who will reach out and say, thank you so much birth mother, um, for being in this journey and for making the choice that you did. We'd like to be serious in our commitment to you and your healing, because this is not an easy thing or an easy choice. And there are, um, there are, there are demons and hard things that you are dealing with as a birth mother for many, many, you know, months, sometimes years after that. So. Oh, it's brilliant. And there and there could be none of that changing the face of adoption without you there to facilitate part of that. So just never underestimate your role um, in being able to change the face of the world because God will make it happen. God will make it happen if it's Come supposed to happen. Work. Yeah, exactly. Come oh, girl, you're the best. And you know what else is awesome is she has prepared something, a little freebie for you. What a little, a little, a little gift. I know. Get excited. The lawyer's yeah, got a gift. All her you know? free time, right? <laughs> she has provided a little business checklist for those of you um, who are feeling the burn that this is something you're ready to jump on. So we'll put this in the show notes. We'll also put it on Instagram to make sure you know exactly where to find it. But it's brittanyrattel.com slash women with fire. And as as of this podcast launching, it is there and available and ready for you to download as a little gifty from her, like super nice of you. Thank you. Hey, no problem. I got I got your backs, ladies. <laughs> she does. She's the best. Well, we are so glad that you would be so candid um, with the challenges that you have faced and also with the victories that you've seen and also just your diehard like women are adaptable and rock in the world. And you're a, a marvelous, marvelous example to that. So thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for listening to the Women With Fire podcast. Your support means a lot to us. In fact, your support is what makes this podcast possible. If you wanna connect more with the guests we've had on our podcast and Connect more with Sarah and Michelle, the creators of the Women with Fire podcast. Find us on Instagram at The Women with Fire or find us in our Facebook group. Simply search Women with Fire and join the group. We'll see you there.